Hello, Working Comic Podcast fans. I'm sorry I've been away for so long. I've been traveling and doing my show, and uh, I've been kind of slacking on the podcast, but I'm going to keep up the momentum, and it's probably not going to be every week, most likely around every two weeks, but I will keep doing this, so don't you worry. Stay tuned. Please, if you like this podcast, share it with your friends. Post about it. Talk about it. Help other people that are trying to get into the the comedy uh, or other people that are, who are already comedians, uh, help them get better at comedy. But uh, if you have this podcast is helpful for you, helpful for you share it, please. Uh, so yeah, let's get into it. This interview is really great. I interviewed Curtis Cook. He's a late night TV show uh, writer. He writes for the Jim Jeffrey show and he's also a very good stand-up comedian. We recently met at the, uh, UCLA Shenanigans Comedy Club show, the old club I used to run, and we were both on the same show. It was really cool. We met up. And uh, this episode's a little bit different than usual episodes. Uh, we kind of ended up veering off the topic of, you know, how did you progress in comedy? How did you get to where you are, et cetera? We talk about that a little bit, but we end up going into the territory of talking about, uh, you know, what can and can't you say on stage? What do you feel comfortable saying, uh, you know, if you have a maybe controversial opinion, how do you convey it? When is it okay to use stereotypes? Should you use stereotypes? Are stereotypes allowed? Are there good stereotypes or bad stereotypes, etc.? Uh, impressions. We talk about are, is it okay to do impressions of people outside of the type of person you are? Is that okay? Who knows? Um, and this is just like a discussion we have, and it's really interesting. And I think a lot of people can benefit by talking about these things. So uh, without further ado, I know this was a long intro. Please enjoy. Thanks. Hey, guys. Welcome back to Working Comic Podcast. Austin Asso here. I'm sitting with Curtis Cook, who is a writer for Jim Jeffries. And... Uh, <laughs> You had a sketch on Portlandia, yeah. which is really cool. Recently features on Comedy Central. Um, you went to an Ebola checkpoint uh, in Vice <laughs> News. I don't know much about that. I, just, I did see that on your site. And uh, most recently, I know you from uh, the show at UCLA where we were. Uh, it was the Shenanigans Comedy Club show. Yeah, that's a fun show. That's a fun group activity yeah man did you have a good time there you liked it yeah i really like that spot and uh it was it was fun to there's a couple people who i've met and enjoyed meeting in los angeles that it was fun to find out off came from that same club that was cool really yeah who else uh you saw my i think jen whose last name i'm blanking on jen hardback i only know like one jen I don't even know a name to search now. <laughs> Nathan, Katie, Green. Katie. Yeah. It's okay. Good group of people. <laughs> yeah, good squad. You don't have to get the uh, the Pokedex out. If I saw him, I'd be like, you're from there. But, uh, yeah. It's a good scene. It, it really, I'm happy that it took off. They're, they're, yeah, you they're, found it there, right? Yeah, Gosh. I started it when I was a freshman in uh, college because there's nothing on campus. That surprises me, actually. Yeah, I know. I came here uh, from Connecticut, and there was just, like, not any comedy club. I wanted to do stand-up. There, were, there was improv, and there, were, there was Seder, the writing magazine, but there was nothing for stand-ups, and I really wanted to perform and, like, get better at it. So 
Oh, it was just like a couple people, and then it like over the years it took off. Like more people joined. That's great. So that was cool. Yeah. So how are you? How's things going since that uh, that show, man? Those things have been good. Uh, yeah. You. Uh, how about you? <laughs> things you know, are. How's, how's your life? Things are going well. Uh, what's new? I'm going to Seattle next week. And then I'm going to do, I have my show coming up. I feel like I'm interviewing myself. <laughs> <laughs> I have my uh, Socially Inept Rose show coming up on Friday, which is fun. It's starting to take off a bit. We're trying to expand to other cities. But we got it going in Seattle and San Francisco so far. But, you know. That's exciting news, man. Yeah, thanks. Well, So, wait, you're off. You're on the off season right now Yeah. for Jim Jeffries. And um, we won't go into the, t- the top secret project, uh, which is, like, <laughs> that you're working on. But um, what is it like in, uh, in general during the off season? How, how is that? In general, I think it's nice. I mean, I have the luxury – well – I don't know, luxury might not be the right word, but I do stand up. And so you're able to fill that time with work and experiences that you want to have anyways. I think it's a a different experience for people who are just writers and and that's their only focus. But for me, it's nice to just kind of be like, well, I've got three months. Let me just travel around and do what I want to do. That's cool. Do you actually uh, end up traveling around frequently? Yeah, when there's like uh, I'm, I'm... this uh, this time around has worked out a little bit differently for because of a few projects, but for the most part, it's a good opportunity to like hop on cruises or do like go back to Cleveland for a little while, hit Portland up, do some like Midwest runs or check out the Southwest, do a couple of festivals here or there because it's like yeah, I'm gonna go get drunk for a weekend and hang out with people. That's cool. You make it sound so easy. How do you? <laughs> You're just like, I'm going to hop on some cruises, hit no, some I don't festivals. Make, I don't mean to make it sound <laughs> like so you're just like, yeah. Amazing. That sounds like Sometimes the it dream. works out. Because there, there are definitely times where you are told no, and so you just sit around for a month. I don't want to make it sound yeah. like every time I go for something, all the cards land right. Are you applying at this point, or are you just kind of like, hey, can I get a spot? Uh, Sometimes. I, 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 I I'm not super comfortable hitting someone up and just being like, you know what I do. <laughs> uh, uh, sometimes people will ask, and that's cool. And sometimes I'll apply just because it's like, this is a region of the country I don't know, full of comics I don't know, and it would be fun to have an excuse to get to meet those people. Yeah, where are you originally from again? Origi- originally I'm from Ohio. Uh, like oh, a, wow. It's called Auburn Township. It's like... A township around Cleveland. Is that Mormon? Uh, no, it's just small. <laughs> really? I don't know why I assumed township would be like a Mormon. It sounds like it might be that kind thing. of word. Township. I don't know. <laughs> um, okay, that's cool. How is that? Living there and then getting into comedy there. Sorry, random tangent. No, <laughs> uh, it was... I mean, I'm glad to not live there now, but in retrospect, there, are, there were positive elements to it. I think the thing with stand-up was that I think there's some cities where you grow up where there are people who do certain things or at least you're on the fringes of knowing that things are possible. But kind of growing up in a more small, isolated town, you're like, well, I know that stand-up or writing or improv is something that someone does. Yeah. But no one I've ever met has ever even know where to go to see it. So I don't know what to do. Yeah. So how did you make the leap to do that? That's so hard, it sounds like, if you don't have the people around you doing it. 
started in college. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have a car, and we would drive into Cleveland and do like dive bar open mics and stuff there. And then when I graduated, I moved back home for a year to get some money up to move and would drive from Auburn into Cleveland as often as possible. So I got to know that scene a little bit. And Northeast Ohio is a great place to... I, I feel it's a great place to start stand-up because uh, there's, like, a lot of cities or city-ish regions in, like, an hour of each other. So if you're willing to drive an hour from where I was living with my parents at the time, you could get to... Kent, which is a college town and has a certain type of humor, and you could get to Akron, and they have a kind of more of a cityish spot. You could get to Cleveland, which is a city that's a little bit big enough where there's you know multiple kinds of audiences. If you wanted to drive maybe an hour and a half, two hours, you could get to Youngstown. So Damn. it's not as easy as like place like New York or some spots in the Northwest where you can hop on a bus and get from club to club. But if you have time and are fortunate enough to have the ability you can try the same joke out in front of like 12 different audiences in one week that's crazy i didn't know there was like a big comedy scene out there in it's ohio not, it's not i think the thing with like scenes in a place like ohio or to a to a different degree a place like i mean atlanta's different because they've got more opportunity down there but they're definitely Cities outside of Chicago, New York, and L.A. that you don't really hear about that often because everyone, once they reach a certain point, I think maybe you see this in Seattle, is they hit a certain point and they have to move to progress. Yeah. And so that city itself never has a chance to develop beyond that limit. Because people just leave. Yeah. And they don't want to stick around. And, and they have to. Like, if they stuck around, they would just be the greatest guy there, and all the people who left would get opportunities that aren't coming. Like, no, no executive is looking for the next city to move their business to. Everyone's yeah. got to kind of go somewhere else, which is... A bummer, but, you know, there's a lot of great people from Cleveland who live here now, but that system just keeps it so that nobody knows that Cleveland has good stuff going on. That's interesting, because growing up in Connecticut, even though it's near New York, there was nothing. There, Like, the only thing to do in Connecticut is maybe go up to, like, Hartford or New Haven, <laughs> which is, like, in two hours away from the city. But, oh, like, geez. yeah, there's not much, like, comedy to just, like, hit a mic, like, an hour out or something like that that's cool that you had that opportunity were they just like bar shows or like how did you get spots there were a lot of bar shows uh a lot of bar shows there was like a kind of a more hip group of people that's uh, i don't that sounds maybe derogatory towards other groups as if not everyone had their own thing going on but there was more like a Whatever the vibe in, is in comedy kind of right now across the board, that kind of like comedy nerdish educated group that's become popular recently. Yeah. There, there was a group like that that started to emerge in Cleveland and they would put on a lot of shows that brought names that were either already established or emerging at the time like Kyle Kinane or Cameron Esposito. And uh, I signed up with them uh, to do like – as their, like, intern, which really just meant, like, driving them when they got too high or taking tickets at the door. And in exchange, I got just, like, a bunch Wait, of Wait, like the in crowd time. or those two people? Like, the in crowd. Not, oh, yeah, oh. not those two people. <laughs> that would have been a very different story. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, like, that group of people oh. called now. They were used to be called Chucklefuck. And then so they could get their names in the paper, they changed it to Accidental Comedy. Oh, so it's like a comedy collective kind of wait yeah. they have something like that in san francisco 
Oh, word. I don't know what it's called, but uh, my friend was telling me about it. And they run, like, a ton of shows. There, it's a, some collective is in San Francisco, and they run, like, the biggest shows there. I don't know. Look it up. It's yeah, I'm trying to somewhere. find it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but that's interesting, this idea of collectives. That's cool. So you interned for them. Were they a company? Were they, like... No, intern was just, just, like, a nice... There was a kid who, who needed an internship to graduate, and he fucked up. But they had... To, to help him out, they rearranged some things, so they ended up needing him. And then he just wouldn't show up. So I, like, filled that role. But instead of a college credit, I just got a bunch of stage time on good shows. That's cool. Yeah, which for, you know, being twenty twenty one was, like, a very fun and exciting thing to do. I think now I hear... I think now if I if you if I told you know I don't know there's like a thing where if maybe if I was like I don't know I don't know <laughs> what's the the initial leap from like being just a kid in Ohio to doing your first open mic was that really hard without that um the you know seeing people around you doing it or were you just like I'm gonna do it like what was the how'd you do that I think it's it's a little hard well i don't know actually because i i wonder having made the decision to do it and called establishments to find out what the deal was with mics you were kind of like this is something i've always wanted to get to do i'm just gonna go do it once i'm there i've invested enough time where i really can't talk myself out of it i wonder if i'd had more access to see open mics or dip my toes into the waters as an audience member first if i would have been turned off to it because i think i would have seen like all that annoying shit you kind of deal with those first few years and probably just perpetually for the rest of your time in comedy yeah. like I think there's a chance that that would have like bummed me out too much so maybe it's good that I didn't have opportunity <laughs> so you just kind of always wanted to do it something like, I always wanted to do but it didn't I never like the conversations like that once you start doing comedy you have to have this like here's conversations about inclusivity here's conversations about keeping the space safe here's conversations about the jokes that we are allowing in this room or not in this room for these reasons and i'm not saying that any of those conversations are bad but like if i had been privy to the fact that they were happening i think i might have been too anxious to participate because it would have been so far over my head i would have just got because you wouldn't know what to like say yeah interesting so i think being able to show up as just a dummy who had no association with the scene and try something out helped me personally to feel comfortable because I had a safe distance between me and what was going on. That's interesting. Yeah, I feel like those things are so pervasive now. I don't I didn't feel like that though when I started out, like when I first started doing comedy in like twenty thirteen, I didn't feel it. I honestly just started feeling it in twenty fifteen. Like the pressure of having those conversations more. Yeah. Um, I think I think for yeah. the most part they're good conversations to have, uh, and I think you're better at having them, and it is more important you participate in those conversations once you've been in it for a few years. But like, I don't know, day one to kind of walk in on stuff like that would have been a lot. Yeah, I first did a show like I it was the UCLA versus USC Laugh Bowl. And um, <laughs> this fake rivalry. <laughs> it was so fake. It was really forced. Uh, but we, it was this like comedy competition at the Laugh Factory. And I did a bit. And um, I wonder, is it bad to repeat it? I don't know. It's not that bad. It's like kind of bad. You're in control of the edits. Yeah, I can edit this out. <laughs> I, I'll edit this out. Whatever. So the, um, I'm like, I feel like some uh, places are so dangerous. 
Like, USC seems like it's so dangerous. Like, if you blew a rape whistle, more rapists would come. And then I did, like, uh, an act out, and uh, in hindsight, it's very offensive. I was like, hey, man, you hear that? Hey, yo, listen, let's go. And then um, I had no yeah, I motivation that. behind that. Uh, no, no racially uh, motivation. I wasn't trying to make a statement. And then people pointed out, they're like, why are you calling all Hispanic people rapists? And I'm like, I was, I didn't, I didn't know. And I was like a freshman. And, uh, you know, in, in retrospect, it's very heinously offensive. Um, <laughs> but I didn't know that. And then, so that was like kind of the first time where I was like, oh, I should uh, be aware of things. But, that's, yeah. That's, uh it's cool that you were able to have an experience like that where, one, you had people who felt comfortable and safe coming to you and explaining it, and two, that you were able to, like, hear it. Because I, like, I feel like everybody has a version of, like, I took it too far because I didn't know. I was new to it. But if, if people don't tell you, that sucks. And if you're not willing to engage when they do, that makes it even worse. So it seems like that... Maybe not the best story to like tell a stranger, but all in all, like a pretty general comedy experience that speaks positively towards your progression as a person. Yeah, thanks for taking it well and not leaving right now. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's like (laughs) exiting via the balcony escape ladder. Um, Yeah, no, I I do think it's good. I'm grateful that uh, people uh, commented and told me. Well, also. The worst part of it was, like, if I started later and somehow thought that was acceptable, I'd be so screwed because, like, you want to get as many votes as possible, so you send the video to everyone you know. So, uh, like, uh. I sent it to everyone. I mean, other than that, like, I, th- I mean, I don't know, at the time I thought it was a good set. And people were like, oh, this is really funny, except this one part is maybe pretty offensive. Um, but... Um, I don't know. I'm lucky that people told me that, and I learned. But, like, in general, we do have a – the culture is very uh, inflammatory, and that you don't really have a second chance, I feel like, now. I mean, I don't know. This is just what I see, and I, think, I might be, like, looking too into it. I think some of it is, like uh, – like, there are definitely people who, like, you hear tell a joke like that, and you're just like, well – they did that instead of just one time as a new comic they've been doing this for 30 years and that's the fifth time they've done it this set so there's not even a point in engaging with them yeah and i think that the fact that people were willing to talk to you about it speaks to uh your character or at least how they feel about what kind of person you are and that they recognize that you're not trying to be hurtful and they want to steer you in a positive direction yeah and i think when you see that in a person it's way easier to engage um I think there's just a lot of people where, like, you kind of do the mental math and you're like, this is talking to you is going to make it worse for me. Uh, that probably is the case. Like, where some people you could just tell. But, I mean, I don't know. It's probably not a good thing to be like, oh, you could probably just tell. But, like, they just have the demeanor of a hateful person. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like you can just tell. I don't know. They've Everything else they said was, like, pointedly hateful. But, like, I don't know. I get really anxious going on social media, though, and looking at comedy things. Just because I probably blow it out of proportion in my head, like I'm saying, but I just so many times see people get absolutely destroyed, like just to bombard, like just attacked. And I mean, I feel like some of those people, like maybe don't 
mean to be bad. So I feel bad for them. But then they're, like, screwed forever. Yeah. Or maybe not forever, but, like, it's, like, sad. Social media, it's like when it comes hateful. to that stuff in, like, Twitter or whatever, it's a whole different... Because this is, like, a, a community of people who know each other in some capacity and are trying to build something together, whereas Twitter has none of that. <laughs> like, I there's know. no camaraderie. There's no togetherness. There's no joint effort or mutual sense of, like, ensured destruction. It's just, like, a free-for-all. Mm-hmm. So when it like yeah with that shit I never know what the rule is or how to deal with it but yeah it's weird have you ever had like I feel like you're wait I don't I'm trying to remember some of your I mean your material's not offensive some of it okay. kind of can be I feel it but like not really do you have you ever like like felt like you were walking on eggshells or something like do you ever feel like that I guess or like you're walking a dangerous line or something like depends that? on the place like for a like for a, a UCLA show full of educated probably liberal college kids there's really nothing I'm gonna say where I'm like oh boy <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah pissed off some you know but if if I do that material in Auburn Township you know not that there's ever any reason to perform there but like <laughs> the whole vibe changes and people get I forget that there's just some things that I've grown accustomed to saying here safely that I forget are maybe less intelligent to be saying out loud in other locations. That's so funny that you're saying that because the stuff I feel like a lot of other comics would have like the opposite perspective in a way. What do because you, mean? you do it at um I mean not a lot of I mean I don't know. I could imagine some comics that feel the opposite or like you see a lot of the like the old older comics like I don't want to perform at colleges yeah. and they'll perform in like I don't know and across the country and stuff um, oh well, for, well to, to be your that specific college show was also very special and different than the majority of other college shows I've really done. yeah so I don't I don't mean to make it like a binary like there's hip college kids and then there's like shitty middle-of-the-road comedy clubs. I think there's good versions of both. Yeah, of course. That I'm not trying to put you in a box right now. Oh, no, I didn't feel it. Just, oh, yeah, yeah. just that particular show was like a fun room full of fun people, and it was a student-controlled and organized event, so there was a sense of freedom, and like you could play around a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other comedy shows are at colleges are like faculty-produced events where there's a very specific rule of what you're Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some comedy clubs have a sense of freedom where people are down to go wherever because they have a night out, and other ones are like, if you say the word Senate, they'll shut down immediately. Really? So it, it just depends on the vibe. And that particular night, for the most part, and we were both reflecting, was yeah. a fun night with a it lot was of really good, talented people. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, that's cool. Um... Yeah, I don't know. We don't have to go so political and stuff. No. <laughs> no, I didn't mean it like that. I just I know that there's been a lot of talk about college shows and people's ability to travel and do road work with their stand up and what it means to make a commentary versus being an entertainer. And I don't have any answers, so I just was I was wary of coming across as if I was offering solutions I don't have. Oh yeah, no, you're good. <laughs> um what else? What are, so we were talking about Ohio, and then we went, went on this tangent of, like, what's acceptable to say, kind <laughs> of, I guess. What's your, what's your thought on that? 
Um, I don't know. It's really interesting. I feel like um, it's such a hard question. I feel like you, people should be um, like very socially aware and people should be careful not to like perpetuate harmful things about other people and stuff like that. But then it's, I'm also like, I think like sometimes who cares? Like it's comedy. <laughs> like, I mean, the point is if you, you're not trying to be hurt. I mean, some people might actually be trying to be hurtful, but if you're like saying something that's actually funny, then and which is so objective because some people might laugh and then some people yeah. might not laugh like there's always going to be maybe like the butt of the joke the marginalized group might not laugh sometimes they might be like oh that's actually super funny and relatable to us and then like if it is kind of like an offensive uh thing to say um i don't know it's one, really hard even that one has its whole own loop because there are definitely times where you hear like a racial joke made by a white person and you're like well everything about how this was phrased and presented is like a positive experience for all people we've all just enjoyed this moment we shared together and then you turn around and you see the white comic who's like black people normally love this stuff and you're like I don't that doesn't Ooh. sound good though. <laughs> it's just a weird everything's weird yeah that sounds like entitled <laughs> isn't that's what that guy that's you're quoting that guy from oh, the UCLA he I always said did that did he say that he I've, said that. I've he literally that. said, black people, black people, what am I saying? Black people usually think I'm so funny. You should see me at black rooms. He literally said that. Exactly. I totally forgot about that. He part. did. He was ranting about it. He went insane. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I think it's important to be socially aware. What was my, I had a point. I don't know. Uh, oh, you were talking about where you, what your perspective on the, the do's and don'ts of saying things i don't know it's like it's hard because i don't want to hurt people i don't want to make people feel bad but then like sometimes i i feel like extra anxious about saying things just because i'm like too aware of like the the swarming vibe if you mess up like i don't feel like i want to if i have something that like teeters the line of being offensive but i think is just a funny thing i would want to like be able to try it and see if it is and then if i'm wrong like learn why i'm wrong and then uh like not do that i guess yeah uh but i feel scared to even try sometimes because um it's not a good look i'm like a, a i look like a white frat i mean i'm white i look like a frat guy um it it's so hard being me in this three-story condo. Oh, my life is hard. As we overlook the sunset. Uh, as we overlook the sunset. espressos. <laughs> With, like, a nice Americana. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I can't complain. At the same time, I'm like, my life is, I'm lucky. I'm very privileged. But, like, in that element, I love comedy. I like to be funny. And I feel that, I mean, there is a real element of, like, if I, if I say something that is miscalculated, then I have to deal with the consequences of it. And I think right now we're in a, like a kind of, I don't know, cleansing of, of like culture, not, not cleansing, but like really like want to make sure we're doing the right thing to a point that it's like a transition period. So it's more the, you'll get in more heat or for something that like you might not, 
that might not be just. I don't know, just in a way. But because just by nature being in the transitionary time period. I can see... If that makes sense. I, I can know. see what you... I think I see what you mean. And I've definitely felt like that before. Something that I've been realizing more now, though, in terms of transitions and, 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 all, and that kind of language that you were using is, like, things were definitely one specific way in, like, the 80s. And then you saw them be, like, kind of a different way that reflected this, like, a kind of transition in, like, the 90s and 2000s. And now I think there's, just like, a different kind of comedy that's on top or is getting, you know, the deals or the popularity. But the other stuff hasn't gone away. It's just not as popular in certain yeah. circles. Like, I, like, as people who are invested in comedy in general, like, we know that Skankfest happens and we also know that, like, Rhea Butcher is doing really good stuff on, on, like with her career. And mm -hmm. we know that both things exist at the same time to large audiences. And I think there's people who have conversations as to whether or not both should exist. But like, I do think it's important to remember that like anything you choose to do comedically, there is a space for it. And the fact that you're preoccupied with being perceived as a good person and interested in telling jokes that aren't negative or hurtful just kind of inherently puts you over in this other category in a certain way. You know what I mean? That's good. That's reassuring. Yeah, like you still have to work at it, but the fact that yeah. it's even on your mind means you've already made a decision to not do this other thing. <laughs> yeah. And I don't I don't want to, like, convey that, like, I'm not just like, yeah, I just want to tell fucking racist jokes. That's my <laughs> thing, dude. I mean, I'm kind of playing devil's advocate in a way because my if you actually, like, look at my material, it's, like, not offensive at all. Yeah. And, um, but... My yeah. my feeling is that you're trying, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but my understanding is that you're being like, I would like to say, I would like to be able to make statements about things in some way that is reflective on what I view as real, but I don't want that to come across as isolating or hurtful. Is that? Yeah. So I feel like that's, that's I think that's what a lot of people aspire to do, and that, that is an, a, a tightrope tight to walk. Yeah. But my thought is always to give them a lot up top that, like, like, I don't, the thing that I don't really like it when anybody does is, like, unless you're, like, already incredibly established and I've got, like, loads of specials to go and look on to, like, understand how I feel like I have a relationship with you already as yeah. a viewer, don't just come on stage and be like, society! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like, you know, I, I really like... Yeah. Philosophical thing. Because like, if you if you walk on and you like tell people like this is my life and these are my like these are my personal struggles and I'm trying to be a good guy and here's like how I feel with this and this is this people that I love in my life and you can tell that I'm a caring person and now I'm gonna try this joke that's a little bit riskier but we've established that I'm not a monster. <laughs> yeah, it's like I am a good man as opposed to just getting on stage and being like, what's the deal with this ethnic group? Yeah, I feel that. Um, yeah, that's true. Um, oh yeah, I kind of remember what I was saying. This is such a terrible transition. I was talking about, um, like propagating negative stereotypes is really bad, obviously. But at the same time, like I've read so many, like just books about just statistics and how sometimes like stereotypes we stereotype as a heuristic in our mind to like make snap decisions and stuff like that, which is like, obviously if you apply um, like a like a 
heuristic being just like a quick mental math way to like do something like a little algorithm yeah. or whatever. Um, like sometimes that's right. And that provides value for us. But obviously if like you apply like a general broad generalization to everyone and you just take that to be the reality, that's not true. And that is harmful. Um, but there is like something funny about making like, I feel like there's a lot of stereotypes and I feel like that's fundamental to comedy in a way, like making generalizations, like, cause you're kind of making, when you make a joke, it's like this weird, like flawed kind of logic to come to some sort of like whatever your hypothesis is, which is like your, like, I don't know, your joke, like your point of your joke. Yeah. Um, you kind of like arrive to the, you use like sort of flawed logic to get there, but everyone kind of like gets it. And I feel like that relies in a way on like making generalizations and stereotypes. So I don't know. I'm kind of like conflicted sometimes because it's like stereotypes can be funny. They can be harmful. And it's like, when do you, like, I don't know. No, I, you know what I mean? I, or maybe, I don't know if that made sense at all. I'm not entirely sure I know <laughs> what you mean, but I am interested in knowing what you mean. <laughs> do you have yeah, like an example? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what's a good, I'm trying to think. I don't know if a good example. I don't know. I literally like can't think of one. I can't think of a good example. I don't know. I don't know. I can't think of an example. I don't know why. <laughs> um, what's like a stereotype that is good? Like, I'm literally just like defeating everything I just said. I'm just like, what's a good what's stereotype? A good? <laughs> I can't think of any. Okay, stereotyping. I'm Jewish. I can do a Jewish stereotype. Um, uh, I don't know. Jews, like, people be like, oh, Jews run Hollywood. They do. Um, like, that's kind of true. Like, I just think that's a true thing. Jews are generally very, um, like, obsessed with money. And, like, most of the Jewish people I know are. Like, that's true. That's a true thing. <laughs> like, they are. I mean, I'm sure there are some that are not. I don't not don't know them that well. But, like, I don't know. That, that's, that's one that I could probably safely say because I'm Jewish. Yeah. Yeah, like that. So something like, like that, like, particularly when it's of your community and you know that, like, these are elements of it that are true uh, to my experience and, like, this is like not particularly harmful. <laughs> like, yeah, I think it's like, like kind of a positive. Yeah, money conscious in a, in a way. But you also financially savvy. Know that like those, uh, those that stereotype as like harmless as it seems now has like repeatedly through history been used to justify these terrible things and like persecute Jews and you. literally like genocide us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I feel like with stuff like that, it's always like there's always like. There's like a kind of laugh you can hear the wrong person do, like you, I like a joke like that. I feel like you could tell like a hundred times and have it go over well and be well received, and there's no problem with it at all. And then like you tell it the hundred and first time, and some fucking shitty d douchebag in the corner like, like jeers the wrong way. It's like way like, too pumped about it. Yeah, <laughs> like, and you're like, oh, did like I just justify this for this. you? Like, yeah.
That's interesting. And that's where it gets a little tr- tricky because it's not you being wrong. It's that person being wrong. Huh, but, like, yeah. you can't stop and have a conversation with every person who misinterpreted it. So, like, I, in, in terms of shit like that, like, there's definitely jokes I've stopped telling because, like, two people got it wrong. And that made me wonder who else had got it wrong. <laughs> oh, no. They just, like, were too pumped. But it sucks because that is, it does feel in moments like that specifically where, like, you've thought about it. It's part of your community doesn't feel inaccurate or unfair or hateful and you have to stop doing something you like doing because one other person enjoyed it the bad way yeah when it's and i don't do this but when it's outside (laughs) of your community why is that like it seems like that's almost taken as inherently punching down i guess depending on who you are i think i think you can play with things i think I think that with white people more specifically, because I think that rule is more largely applied to, like, white guys, I think that part of it is, like, if you're taught to view yourself as, like, the neutral, you don't think of yourself as already having to play with expectations. So, like, I know that I'm, like, a big man of color. If I go on stage and use multisyllabic words... I've already done something to what you expected you were going to see. Because maybe you're not, like, racist, but, like, you were born with, like, a thought pattern on what someone who looks like me would walk up and speak like and say. And the same thing is true of white guys. So when a white guy is like, here's a thought I had about, like, women or, you know, a minority group. I don't think, like, immediately everyone is, like, absolutely he cannot say whatever comes next. But I do think that immediately everyone's like... We're used to hearing this setup, and it usually goes south for us. So we're all now more on edge than we were before for reasons we can justify on previous experiences. And I think when people realize that and play with that tension, they can get away with more than if they just try to barrel through. Yeah, because I feel like there can be funny things to say, and you can general, genuinely like appreciate and love other communities. And like, it's very gen- like I'm not like just saying that. Like you can just, I feel like you're just like, you're just, you don't love other communities. Um, but I don't know. Like, I feel like, yeah, I don't know. That's a good point. <laughs> I think, yeah, like I, there's the expectation. And I also think that like, just as someone who likes comedy and tries to like go to shows and see a lot of people that there's like, and I don't know if other people share this, but there's recently been a bit of like, boredom for me to hear like not and not just white people but like there's a degree of commentary where i'm like all right yep you've arrived to that conclusion but i still know literally nothing about you or how you view the world other than that you are on the right side of things and i kind of like as of whenever i'm like a viewer in the audience i kind of like want to see someone like walk me through the motions of like what you're embarrassed about and what you aspire for and like what makes you happy or sad yeah and then hit me with what you think about society about you first yeah because right now we're just a bunch of like 20 to 35 year olds and i don't want to hear anyone of us talk about our solution for the big world's problems yeah exactly but if you like can give me perspective on you and sum yourself up for me in a way that makes me want to hear what you have to say about an issue, then I'm more excited. That's cool. It's especially hard when you, if you're not getting, like, especially in L.A., you're not getting tons of stage time. I mean, you pro- you're probably getting more stage time. but We're also struggling from where we were before. <laughs> 
Seattle is like a place. Like I bet when you go up there, there's like, yeah, I'll hop on all these shows. There's so much stage time. Yeah. Oh my God, you just ask. <laughs> and you get on, and there's 50 people at the open mic. And because you're visiting from LA, everyone doesn't even, you don't even. That's your credit. Like, oh, yeah, great. Your credit is that you don't do <laughs> anything in comedy. Uh, because you're in LA, but yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. I I like talking to you about this stuff. I feel like you have like very like well thought, like responses. Um, okay, this is something um, along. Whoa, the moon! Look at that. That's insane. It's red. Do you see it? Oh damn! Yeah, peeking that's out. That's so cool. <laughs> wow, that's really cool. The moon is very big right now. And red behind like the like Hollywood sign mountains. That's so cool. Wow, that nice. that's really pretty. Um, damn. Okay. Uh, so this is something that I've always, like, found since we're on this topic of, like, I don't know, correctness and whatnot. Um, I've, I like to do a lot of, like, characters and impressions. And I've, like, I'm t- been told I'm, like, good at that stuff. And nice. I do a lot of, like, you know, I'll do, like, you know, like, <laughs> like Joe Pesci, how you doing? <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> And I'll do just like other ones, other impressions. But when I was little, I would always do, and this is hack now, so I don't really even want to do that. I'd be like doing prank calls as like an Indian person when I was like 15 or 14 and stuff. And like kind of like ethnic things. And it's like not funny. It's like pretty hack. Um, But like what if you do, I'm like I feel uncertain still kind of about doing impressions of people that are of other ethnic well, groups and stuff. And, like, what if it's really good? I don't know. You know, I don't have a, I don't have a definitive answer for, for any of this. And that one I feel – that one in particular I feel kind of – well, no, maybe because it's – I don't know. Hold on. Give me a second to actually think about how I feel about Like, this. I can do a really good donkey impression from Shrek. And then, like, if I didn't say I'm donkey, I'm super offensive. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? But it's, like, good. It sounds like him. <laughs> I don't know if I should do it. I feel like maybe not. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like you're thinking too hard, so I don't want to do it. No, and then I'm, you're just, gonna leave. I'm trying to. I actually just have never thought about how I feel about this, I guess. Really? So, I've definitely like there's there's definitely times where I like someone will do a black voice and I'll be like that there's no joke here other than you making Jimmy and, Fallon doing Chris Rock. Like that. Do you see that? In the but he was in blackface, right? Wasn't he? He literally did it in blackface and he did it a year ago. Not in blackface. Oh. But he did it a year ago at the Golden Globes or something. That or just, Oscars, something like that. That just seems is that wrong? I I mean like I, I like I can't I mean you're not the definitive yeah, source but, but I'm just wondering what your take is. There's just like weight. There's weight to it no matter what. Like Jimmy Fallon Jimmy Fallon in general but specifically these last few years has had like a lot of like Ups and downs in certain circles, based on like decisions or actions he's made. I and remember I remember the not yeah. commenting on Trump or something. And like I that. don't. I, I that's not. 
that's not a big chip on my shoulder. I don't really have a major thought on it, but like, I think he maybe should have realized that he was already on thin ice with some people before doing a black voice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, but I don't. I know. For, I know for sure. I hate it when the entire punchline is just, and these people talk like this. So oh yeah. Sometimes if there's sometimes if like you've written a joke where the punchline itself is funny and in order to sell it you need to use a certain type of vernacular or accent. So I'm not saying there's a word I there's a world where I can see that work, but I also feel like I feel like for a lot if it's a well-written joke it doesn't always need an accent. I'm lost. Yeah. Now. Well, so doing like um like black voice oh, so is yeah, different why, from why are you doing, doing Shrek voices in 2019 dude I like Shrek <laughs> um, but <laughs> doing uh, doing like a black voice quote unquote is I'm, I'm I think that's probably bad I would put that in the bad category I'm saying doing like a solid impression of like I don't know Morgan Freeman and somehow it works into your joke um, Morgan Freeman would so this is okay. All right. That's what I mean. Like a specific person. It's how really deep, good. Like how Obama. Deep are we like getting I, right now. Like I do a bit that where I'm I do an impression of Obama, and he doesn't even particularly have a like the traditional like African American like vernacular of yeah. You know so what I mean? then that would so this is this is the weird loop of I, I of in my head with very minimal amount of thought, it's like based on already difficult to understand and navigate perceptions of race that are largely based on oppression which is largely displayed by poverty well that was really hard (laughs) thought of as having a certain type of language and vernacular as isolated from the white majority's manners of speaking in quote-unquote more polite society and those have been developed over decades and centuries and used for cheap laughs by generations previous of comedians and entertainers so when a white comic dips their toes into what would be considered like again quote-unquote lower class black vernacular I think it comes coded as being a negative uh, a negative viewpoint on how a perceived lesser group of people speak whereas when you take elements of coded uh, aspects of like poverty and more stereotypically associated black speech patterns as with Morgan Freeman or Obama do an impression you are isolating yourself a little bit from the wretched history of denigrating to someone through impressions and doing an accent of someone who's kind of crossed over into the mainstream which while still problematic and indicative of racial issues absolves you slightly in the moment while on stage that was, I think that was so well said that I my brain kind of broke <laughs> Dude, I've actually never heard someone speak, like, the most well-crafted essay, and I'm, like, still processing it. No. I don't even know, I I like, don't know if that's the case, but I, that's, that sounded I think so, it works a little bit like that. I mean, I'm still processing it, so I don't know. I do think it was intelligent, but, like, it just sounded <laughs> really intelligent. Like, it was probably a lot of It sounded really smart. No, I mean, that, that makes sense. Um, like, like you said... I like don't even know how to quote you, um, but <laughs> like obviously if you if you're doing a uh, 
like just an African-American quote unquote accent just for the sake of like getting cheap laughs. That's kind of perpetuating the like, like you said, the comedy that's been going on for histories and used to oppress African-American people like in this specific case. Um, but it sounds like, uh, I mean, at least from my perspective, when I do like an impression of like Obama or like Morgan Freeman or like something like that, uh, like, I think it's at least clear in my perspective that I think these people are, like, cool or in, like, respect them and not, like, a put-down way. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's not clear. But no, I, I think it is. I don't at think, least I think it is. I don't think that it – I don't even think that the accent or the impression of a celebrity is itself, like, considered offensive or anything. I think that it's just, like – like – if your racist grandma would be comfortable with that black person and you had an impression of them, it reads immediately different to the audience than if your racist grandma would clutch her purse if she saw that person and you did an impression of them. You know what I mean? Interesting. Like, if a racist... Like, there are old ladies who do not like black people who are, like, down for Obama and Morgan Freeman. And that's, there's, that's not their responsibility at all. But, like... I see what you're saying. It reads a certain way differently, whereas if you did an Eddie Murphy impression, or even I think in some, like, in certain circles, if Eddie Murphy just walked up to an old white lady, they'd be like, this is weird and I'm scared because it's coded differently. And that's not in your control. That's not in their control. No one's at fault here other than this weird societal thing. (laughs) Yeah, I think I agree. That I think that, like, and I think the problem is, like, if you've given that a lot of consideration and arrived at a point where you still feel like you should be able to say this joke or do this impression, that's okay. But, like, you do kind of need to have – you need to find a joke before you do the impression to show me that you've thought about it. Yeah. Interesting. Because even, even if we come to different conclusions, if I know that you've – Given the marginalization of others' consideration, I'll give you more leeway in how offended I am, (laughs) if I'm offended at all. I mean, I guess it is interesting because in my mind, I look at doing an impression of Donkey from Trek as different than doing an Eddie Murphy, even though it's like dumb and it's not different because it's the same voice. Like, I mean, I guess it's more exaggerated, but it's like different. I think that it's different too, but I think that I think that it's it's like there's just elements of it that I think go beyond your personal perspective. So like 100% it makes sense to me that you as someone who liked Shrek and grew up with Shrek and liked Donkey who was like this badass character in Shrek. Like I fucking Donkey and Mushu were like my shit as kids. I totally yeah. get wanting to be like I love this. I can do this voice. Voices are fun. Let me go for it. It's just that once it leaves you and that perspective – if you haven't already expressly found a way to show everyone hearing the voice your thought process, then it gets muddled and translated into their minds, which can either put a lot on you uh, or put a lot on the impression or put a lot on their, you know? I see what you're saying. Like, you have to do a little more You can't more have to work. do a little extra to be like, I really love the show. I love the... I don't know, like, say that. Yeah, I mean, I... Yeah, ideally in, like, a funny way or in a story where, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, like, some kind of, like, way where, like, you tell a story about you always loving Shrek and there being a misunderstanding about that. If you tell a joke that's, like, I love Shrek and I love Donkey and I get now why this thing is complicated because one time I did this joke and this or that happened 
and now I realize this or that, then maybe you can find a way into the joke. Yeah. But even then, even in that example, the ultimate conclusion is that someone was mad at you for doing it, so for you to do it anyways afterward, I don't know. Yeah. There's a way to do it, but... That's interesting. No one was actually um, particularly mad about that. I just thought, I was just curious about it. But, yeah, it was an interesting... <laughs> Interesting. We've tangent. solved all the problems in comedy. Um, we've solved all the problems. We've got uh, a, a, an objective list of what we all can and cannot do. Yes, uh, <laughs> we are drafting it, and it will be published on the podcast. Um, but okay, this was a really cool conversation about this stuff. I still want to talk about you, kind of. We we've been going for fifty minutes. I don't know when you have to dip out. Let's do ten. Let's do an hour, man. Ten let's more minutes. Do it. All right. I'm super good at deflecting. Should have warned you. Well, that was really um, insightful and cool take. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I feel like that's valuable. I feel like it's valuable that I'm white and you're black. <laughs> I'm going to say that <laughs> because that's a difference in perspective. Oh, yeah, I guess at some point I should have told your listeners because for all they know, it's just too... <laughs> <laughs> There's no way for them. Like the entire we time. didn't mention this beforehand. There's no reason for them to know me. Yeah, your picture is going to be on the album art or whatever <laughs> for the episode. So they'll see that you're black. These are also all like th- things like conclusions that I've arrived to from conversations with like a lot of other people. Like where there's definitely been times where I've been like, like I specifically there was a joke early on in comedy. And it wasn't even, it was something my mom said once that I thought was funny because my parents are in a mixed race relationship and she's white. And she's like, she's a, a smaller woman. And she was just like commenting on how she's the only smaller white woman of the white women she sees with black men. And I thought that was funny because, again, like you we were saying with the Jewish thing, true to my experience, represents a stereotype people have. And a couple bigger women were like, that's actually really bad <laughs> for, for you. Like, it's fine if your Bigger mom said it on the white woman said it? Yeah. And it's like, there's a problem here. And then a couple of black comics were like, hey, this is, you know, maybe maybe don't reinforce this stereotype. Even if it's true to you, even if, like, you see it, like, recognize that this is, like, like, there were larger white women who were like, recognize this, 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 and this of our perspective and why that can be damaging. And more educated black comics were like recognize this 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 or more rec- more educated than me not than the white woman but like they were like this 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 about what that does for our community and then you hear both sides and you're like okay this just isn't worth it you know interesting so it, i don't want it to you know i just don't want it to come across like i just fucking rolled up to an open mic and was like i give deeper thought to all my material <laughs> but it's just like something that you grow to learn through being open to having conversations with others, which sounds like you're already doing, like even just your experience with that, the the rape whistle bit, it's like here we are, yeah, years later, having grown as people and and performers because we fucking listened to somebody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it is interesting though. I mean, because these conversations are super valuable, but like, what if you have? I feel like if you had so many, with every type of person. How could you continue doing comedy? You have to quit. <laughs> like, what do you do? Oh, you can't do. There's always gonna be someone with like one leg who's I don't know, very specifically challenged, and is offended very specifically by your thing. Like, all the liberal comedy on the West Coast won't fly that well in the Midwest and South. Likewise, the conservative jokes there aren't gonna fly on the coast that well. Um, 
there's like there's a fundamental like there's everyone's different and there's always going to be everyone has different sensitivities and some people might be like ah oh, that doesn't bother me uh, th- and then some people people might be like well actually for this community this is very offensive and like even though they might even be a um an unusual maybe they're an unusual perspective but they're telling you like hey like we're having a conversation right now and uh you know this is very like not cool for our community because of this this and this and this what if you're like oh but you're no one's ever said that to me before and everyone else i know has been fine with it and then you're like i guess i can't do that now i don't know i feel like how do you not offend someone this stuff like that it kind of what we're talking about with like uh, inner like dialogue within a scene versus what we see reflected on like Twitter or social media. Like I think that there's a distinguish there's a, you have to distinguish those two because like very few very I in my in my individual uh, experience, very few of the comics that I came up with in various scenes would like immediately write you off as a human being for getting something wrong that a lot of people are just learning. There are 100% people out there who do that. There are absolutely people who went to college, heard something for the first time, and started shitting on everyone else who had not heard it yet. But I feel like for the most part, people are willing to give you like an understanding about the fact that, like, why would you know this? Why would you know this thing that like the system was set up for you to not know? I think you have to present yourself as the kind of person who's willing to hear and willing to learn. And I think that that's kind of where the, the personal responsibility comes in. Yeah. But I also think that there's like, like in a TV show where there's like a suspension of disbelief, like what, like the joke you're telling about a one leg person must be pretty fucking shitty for a one leg person to have to go out of their way to talk to you. About. I know. <laughs> like, and I get that. I get that as like I don't mean to just be like this was your example and your example is flawed. But like, if you told a one-armed or one-legged person joke and someone came up to you and was like, "Listen, that's a problem," <laughs> I feel like your first reaction would, even as the person who posed that question, I feel like you off the bat would be like, "Let me go reconsider this. I've not met a one-legged person before." I know, but it's an interesting thing of like, sure, there must be. I mean, there's such an absurd example. But, like, say someone has one leg, they must feel marginalized from society. Like, people treat them differently. They, like, don't have the same privilege as everyone else. They're, like, um, I don't know, differently abled. You don't say handicapped. Um, uh, And I don't, like, they might even, can't it come across, like, if you make a joke about them that you're... um, it's like, who are you to make a joke about that if you're, like, fully a capable person? Just, like, why is it's a different community if it's, like, one person making a statement about a different community? There's a difference that it's, like, they haven't been historically, like, marginalized over time. Because I guess crippled, disabled people, I'm saying all the, I don't know if that's allowed. What are you supposed to, I actually sound like a dumbass. Um, so, I would... I, w- I would say not to not to cut you off. <laughs> Please w- cut me off. I feel that even in even in watching you, because I don't know the right word either. But even in watching you struggle to find the right word to refer to a group of amputated people, shows me that you already don't really want to make the joke 
that this group would be mad at you for telling. Yeah, exactly. I know, so, but I'm just like so, I'm always like so wondering I, though so like about I, that. It's interesting because like this whole like the, uh, every time something like this comes up, it's like I get I get I get that question, and I definitely have questions about that. Where it's like, could I do this? But like every every time you're like, why can't people do this? It's like clear just through the way you're asking the question that you don't want to be one of the people who's doing it. <laughs> I know, but I'm just so curious about that because I can like. Comedians would make joke about people with like no arms and no like like I've I don't know that's like I've used that description as something that's just like a funny thing like in a t- Tony I did this like Tony Robbins thing where I like I don't know what do I do I like respond to someone I like go up as Tony Robbins I'm like, hey there's Tony Robbins here and today we're gonna talk about your life and your issues only <laughs> and then um, someone will give me their like. Uh, like their life story about you miss what's wrong and be like i've been overweight my entire life and it's just really difficult i'm just like struggling um i just feel you know i say keep it going for everyone keep it going for suzanne i make some noise and be like you know my life is very hard too when i was five years old i was 376 pounds i lived under a bridge i had no arms and no legs i had to vibrate to communicate my vocal cords weren't fully developed yet and like it was just like so dumb but like i don't know i'll make up stupid things like that and, like, to me, that's funny. I just think that's funny. Maybe I could be wrong. <laughs> you were, you <laughs> You're looking at me like I'm going to hear that and be like. I don't know. I don't think so. But, like, I can see. I don't know. I I mean, that is absurd for, like, maybe an amputated person to be like. They would pro- they wouldn't be offended by that. But I, 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 don't, I, d- I definitely don't want to make it, like, where I'm the guy who's like. Here's the thing about that specific example you gave. So it's clearly a greater thought you have. Like I don't. So it's not specifically about that. Oh, you can totally do that. I'm <laughs> no, because I get I get real annoyed when people are like, "I'm going to avoid the question to insult the way you asked it." Yeah. But I think, like, there's like clearly there's just. The way that you present yourself and the way that you kind of brand yourself in your style of comedy, I think, is also a big part of it. Because if you're doing impressions and you're making stuff up on the fly and you're being this, like, silly, goofy guy, there is less weight initially given. Like, no one's expecting you to come out of left field with some deep commentary on a woman in the workplace. Like, you're you're kind of freer to do certain things. I think that's why, like, and I'm sure David Tell gets a lot of shit, but I, I think that's why he gets away with it more than others is because at no point does he grandstand to say, and by the way, this issue is actually really important to me. Everything is free game for him, and his audience has accepted that and is down for it because they know he's going to write a really good joke about whatever he fucking wants to because he has not assigned a deeper sense of meaning towards something else. I think that as soon as you're kind of like, here's a really thoughtful joke about uh, black people, and having said that, bitches be shopping. Because then I think you've just lost it. Now you've shown that you're capable of greater thought, but you've abandoned it as soon as it wasn't your group. So I think that like if you're doing impressions and being silly on the fly, as long as you don't like follow up the, that Robinson impression with like the, the rape whistle joke, I think you're okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Um, or maybe you're not. Like I don't want to, you know. I know. Fucking- but I feel like there is something just about like, people's you just get a feeling if someone's being malicious i guess maybe you get a i guess it depends on the audience too because they might one audience might be like "Woo, this is great this is funny and one might be like we're kind of don't trust you 
but check the audience then. Yeah. Like if you if you do a show and it's like a lot of young white people and they're having a good time, that's great. That but then you don't want to be a white wrong. nationalist rally. Yeah, just make sure that the next time you do a show, if there's a pocket of some other group that you like, you know, don't be staring at them for them permission to tell the bit. But like, I feel like as you go to mics, as you perform, as you like hone something, part of what you want to be thinking about is like where it did well and with which groups it did well. And if it tanked in these three and blew up in these two, think about if there's differences there, yeah. you know, like, like that guy who, uh, didn't do particularly at the USC show because he was kind of going out UCLA. of his way to be, Oh, sorry, my bad. Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he was, you know, I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that he is a competent performer who does well in other places because he has made a career for himself. He did not do well at a group of young liberal educated people. I'm sure he knocked it on a park in a way that none of us possibly could in a corporate event full of older, also educated people. It doesn't mean that he's inherently a bad person. It just means that his sense of comedy has, he's only built it for certain groups. And if you're trying to speak to other groups or have a wider ranging audience, I think you want to try to consider those things. Yeah. And, 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 or at the very least make active decisions on who you're choosing to isolate or cater to. It's interesting because um, in a more, I guess in a lighter demographic note, most headlining comedians these days have very specific niche audiences. Yet not necessarily across, I mean sometimes across like racial lines and um, socioeconomic lines. But like, um, I don't know, for example, maybe Rami speaks to a lot of young uh, like Muslim American people as well as like college age people in general. Um, but like people have like a, a main audience. I mean, uh, what's in it? another example? I saw, I don't know his name, but there was one comic who was at Laughs Comedy Club in Seattle and his main audience, and this isn't across of a, like an ethnic divide, but they were just mostly like people into like, I don't know, like kind of geek culture and like Star Trek and right. like stuff like that. Um, and then, I don't know, our tech show, we get mostly people that are age 21 to 34 who work in tech. And then it's of all types of people. But I wonder how that relates to, like, because in a way, that guy from UCLA, I, I feel like I'm, I'm not trying to defend, like, I don't know. I seem like I'm coming across as, like, very, like, um, conservative seem I don't know I'm not I'm not that's not my intention but I'm kind of playing devil's advocate like I didn't think he had a good set and I think he was offensive I want to put that out there but it's interesting that he can do well in like a corporate setting and it's like I feel like it's kind of bad as a comic to do well for older white people just by nature of that, it just doesn't seem like a good audience. I don't know why. Then and then, but then, like the other niche audiences, it's it's like celebrated more. That's so. That's something that I have been seeing more recently. Now that like the people that I started with are all making decisions that send us down different paths, or choosing whatever path is available to us at the time. 
and that that's a that's something I don't have a full grasp on. Like some people who stayed in Cleveland because they couldn't afford to leave or they didn't have like someone with you know like my I had a buddy with like upper class parents who were empty nesting and we could live with them as we found jobs and established ourselves and that is a luxury I would never have been able to get out of Cleveland without that. Wait, where was this? In Portland. That's why I was able, like, I saved up enough money to move and have some savings so I wasn't a complete dirtbag. But, like, I would never have been able to get out of Cleveland and move all the way to a coast if it weren't for, like, the kindness of others. Oh, and you didn't have to pay rent because you just... Yeah, for, like, that's the so first dope. few months we were able to just establish ourselves. And that's they were amazing. so sweet and so kind to make that a possibility. And I'll forever be in their debt. But, like, most people don't get that lucky. And so they stay where they are and they build a life for themselves there and sometimes that ends in things that like are not viewed of as like like cool you know like like people who do corporate gigs that we've never heard of like they're less cool <laughs> than like the guy who performs like a sold out bar of 50 of like the neatest kids we know yeah, yeah and yeah. like that that's a part of and then you know like different uh, different executives or whatever look at different types of scenes and all that stuff. But, like, I, I've been trying recently to, like, not be, like, for lack of a better word, like, classist about how I view who does what in comedy. Yeah. Which is hard because, like, I definitely know there's things I don't want to do or maybe even respect a little less. But, like, trying to be empathetic about the fact that, like, some people don't have a chance to, like, do what we've been permitted to do in some capacity yeah i don't know sorry i'm rambling no that's cool um <laughs> do you feel that you have a niche audience for your comedy separate note probably i'm trying to navigate that as well but yeah i mean undoubtedly i do yeah i'm not entirely sure what it is uh and i'm trying constantly to widen the scope while still saying staying specific to what I want to do um but yeah cool man um <laughs> I feel bad I didn't we didn't talk about you at all but we had that really cool conversation I hope I didn't sound too much like a douche you're still in control of the edit so you're gonna you're gonna sound I'm just gonna keep the sound. beginning part and then like <laughs> whatever you say right now um no, I thought it was. I really enjoyed having a conversation. Like, I like talking about this stuff, especially like it's cool talking to you. Or, I'm doing a podcast. You have to go home. Yeah, Richie's here. Um, <laughs> give me five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Richie has arrived. Uh, we're doing improv at nine o'clock. Oh. Um, we're going to do movie form improv team. Okay. So we're going to improvise a full movie. Not a full movie, but, like, uh, we're going to do improvise, like, a full movie structure in, like, like 20 minutes. Here? Thing. Yeah, like, in my room. Oh, like, for practice? Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, they're really funny. Um, but, yeah, man, I was saying I really appreciate having this conversation with you before. <laughs> that was so random. <laughs> it's like, yo, NASA, I'm here. Um, oh, I hope that, uh, yeah, this was fun. I... It definitely gave me a lot of things to consider. Uh, yeah, I don't talk about stuff like this a lot. So. I, I kind of talk about it with, like, my group of friends, but I feel like 
just doing that gives you a pretty limited like uh view yeah so it's cool um but yeah anyway uh what are some things that you know you got coming up you want to plug when does this come out probably like in a couple days hey go on the what month is it? July hey, on July 27th, go to the Buffalo Gap in Portland, Oregon. I'll be performing there. Get ready for new episodes of the Jim Jeffrey Show on Comedy Central in mid-September. Sweet. Yeah. Do you have social media things that you want people to follow you on? At Curtis underscore Cook on Twitter. Sweet. Yeah. Cool, man. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Yo, thank you, man. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into Working Comic Podcast. There's a new episode every week where I interview writers, directors, comedians, producers, any kind of creative thing you can think of, and also the business side of things. So club owners, agents, managers, festival runners, all that stuff. So tune in every week. And uh, also follow me on social media at the Austin Nasso on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can also catch me on YouTube with Chabros, C-H-A-A, bros, one word. Uh, We have some funny videos up, so check it out. Thanks, guys.